So cool. So cool, guys. Wow. Moved my heart. It moved my heart. Um, yeah, we totally love laboring and working with those who God has placed around us. Listen, this evening we have a, um, a special person that's dear to the ministry of Hilltop and J-Hop, a young man that well, through the years we've seen grown and um, just come into some things in the Lord. And it's been a tremendous help to uh, the ministry, uh, more ways than one. Um, so me and Bethany won't be behind the pulpit today. We're going to open it up to our uh, dear friend, John Howard. John, will you come up? Come on. to be here. Um, I see a lot of new faces. I feel like I say that every week, but it's really good to be here with you guys. It's been a blessing. I've only been out here for 10 months now, and it feels like I've been growing up with you guys my whole life. I'm very thankful for the relationships I've, I've had uh, being out here, and I'm very thankful for you all's leadership, uh, both Beth, uh, Bethany and Daryl. Um, one thing I'm very thankful for is the house of prayer. I can't stress how much that has changed my life. Um, just committing to, to being um, an intercessor or uh, a person standing in the gap on behalf of someone else um, has not only, I know, changing their lives, but it's been changing mine. Um, one thing, this wasn't in my notes, but something I was thinking about last night. But when I think about the house of prayer and just the compassion that I've seen come out of all of you all's hearts, both... Uh, I've seen it in Daryl. I've seen Daryl cry. I've seen Crystal cry. Jordan, who's not here, I've seen her cry in the house of prayer just on the behalf of this city. And um, when, I, when I see that, I, I guess my personal walk with God right now, I've been kind of searching what it looks like to actually walk in signs and wonders and what that actually looks like. And um, just knowing that compassion that comes out of the house, I, what God was telling me last night was the same compassion that we see there is the same compassion we carry out in the streets. And um, just Jesus' testimony of how he, how he was compassionate, that was always the place he, he operated out of with his signs and wonders. I believe, we, I mean, we do that in the house. I mean, our faith is not shaken in the house. And that same faith we have there, I believe. If we can get that out into the streets, we're going to see even greater things than what we see in the house. So, amen. Um, I want to pray one more time. <laughs> We've been praying all week for me in this message, but we like praying here, so I'm going to do it one more time. God, I just thank you for this group of people. I thank you that you have led me to Boston, and I thank you for the word that you have today. Lord, I just ask for your spirit to rest upon me in this time. I'm not foolish enough to believe that the time I spend in preparation for this message is enough to change lives today. So, Lord, I just ask for your spirit, not only to rest upon me, but to move throughout this room and prepare hearts and prepare ears to receive all that you have for not only them, but for me as well. Lord, I just pray a specific blessing over Bethany and Daryl. Lord, I just thank you for their commitment that they've given to the house and to this church. Lord, I just ask that you would just grow them even more than where they are now. Amen. Can we go to Luke chapter 2? I think it's been about two months since Daryl asked me to teach, and probably about three months since this message has been 
kind of like stirring up in my heart. But um, I think over the past, maybe the past year, I've been asking God like what it actually looks like, like I said earlier, just to completely give my, my life over to him and uh, give him full use of me. And one of the, the things that he began to talk to me about immediately, is that better? I feel like, sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things he began to talk to me about immediately is the renewed mind and how important it is. I feel like a, a lot of times it, it comes off very, um, very, as a, a traditional message, something that we all seem to know something about, but we don't really give it a lot of, a, a lot of thought. And um, he just began to tell me how it wasn't a passive approach, it's how we've been, te- or how we've been treating it, but it's a very aggressive one. Um, maybe about a month ago, Crystal, she told me about a Bible, or about an app, about the, uh, it was, the, uh, it was con- a concordance that gives you both the Greek and the Hebrew. And so I've been, like, abusing that thing, using that thing all the time. But um, I looked up the word renewed, as it's talked about in uh, Romans 12, too. And uh, it's actually translated as renovate. And that kind of, it really interested me to to see that, because when you think of renovation, it's literally taking um, things out and putting new things in. It's not... Um, your old things are sharing space with your new things. And when you talk about that in the spiritual realm, it's not your old thoughts are battling with the thoughts of the word. It's usually, I mean, it's literally the word having full dominion or in your life. It's not, you know, you get what I'm saying. I don't have to stress it. I have a lot of notes today, so I'm trying to go fast so I can get to a good portion of it. But I told you guys to go to Luke chapter 2, right? Um. Here we're at the beginning of Jesus' life. Um, I think it mentions that he's 12 years old at this time. Um, I'm going to read from verse 41 to 52, the end of the chapter. Um, yeah, there's two verses in here that I believe are important for today, but I'll, I'll point those out along the way. Uh, verse 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Verse 46 is important. Uh, It says, Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Jerusalem and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Verse 52 is also important, but I probably won't get to it today. Um, 
It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Um, a lot of times when we, I guess as Christians, as believers, as people who have given their life to discipleship, we, also, we often look at Christ as our example, as, our, as the person we esteem our lives to look like. And that's usually in the context of the miracles he did or how he loved or how he talked to people. But we often fail to look at what he did or who he was before all those things. Um, Jesus was not in ministry his whole life. He wasn't doing all those exploits his whole life. He was a child and he was a human at one point, or he was still a human. But, but um, I guess for, uh, verse 46, it gives, gives us a picture of Jesus when he was 12 years old. It says uh, he was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. That was, when I first saw that, it was kind of a, it kind of took me back a little bit just because we were talking about Jesus. We were talking about this man who had 100% God in him, and it talked about him sitting and uh, listening and asking questions of the teachers in the temple, people who should have been asking him questions and learning from the Son of God, you know? And um, so when I read that, uh, it reminded me that Jesus was also 100% man. He wasn't just 100% God. He also had a 100% man, and I believe 46 is a picture of him renewing his mind, um, submitting the 100% man to the 100% God. And if that was for Jesus, how much more us, you know, people who were fallen from birth? Uh, we, have, we have been given his spirit, but we still have our 100% man, and now we have to renovate. We have to <laughs> take the old mindsets out, everything we've learned in the past um, and put in the new things. Um, amen. Thank you. I'm going to need some of those today. This is my first time. You guys are hard on Bethany and Daryl sometimes. I'm going to need some of that. Can we go to uh, John 3.13? This is a good, a good scripture. I got a lot of good scriptures, or they, or at least they were good for me when I was studying them. But um, it, here, um, or let me read it really quickly. It says, "No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven." And then it says, "Which is the Son of Man?" Talking about Jesus. And then it says, "Who was in heaven?" It's a really confusing statement, but it. Let me read it one more time. It says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has came from heaven, the Son of Man who was in heaven. So it was literally saying that Jesus was on earth, but he was in heaven. You know, after he renewed his mind, he wasn't on earth anymore. He was in heaven. He was literally thinking from another place. You know, Paul says, um, I'm seated in heavenly places. That's the same kind of concept. You know, after Jesus' death, he gave us the same kind of authority. He gave us the same spirit. And Paul was fortunate enough to be a man that renewed his mind. And so he was able to say, I'm seated. Like Jesus said, I'm, I'm in heaven, but I'm on earth. You know, and that's really the picture that he's, that's not just for Jesus, it's not just for Paul, but he wants that for all of our lives. Um... I, um, 
the renewed mind. I didn't, I guess I didn't put the scripture down because I assumed we all knew this one, but the story of the parable of the talents. I believe there's a lot of uh, correlation between both the uh, renewed mind and the parable of the talents. I believe uh, we all start off with a certain amount of revelation, a certain amount of truth when we're saved. We can all just say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. But um, I believe with the, with the parable of the talents, Jesus, or the, the uh, ruler, he gave both, or he gave talents to three people. Uh, I think one he gave five, one he gave two, the other one he gave one. And I, I just believe that the, as a, in terms of the renewed mind, I believe that it, it's cultivation and it comes from experience. So you, it's, not just, um, it's not just having revelation, but it's using the revelation you have to gain more revelation. So I guess the picture with me uh, just learning about signs and wonders right now, that's kind of where I'm talking from a lot of times, but... Um, I just lost myself. But um Okay, this is the, the, the picture I got was um in in terms of healing. You know, we all know there's there's a scriptures that says, um, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers. And we all know that. And so we go out and we're like, Okay, I'm gonna go out and pray for this guy. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for Matthew, he's been struggling with his nose. But I've been, and, and nothing has happened. But, um, but we all know that that's what we're supposed to go out and do. And so we go out and we come back and we're like, nothing happened. And then you go back to your word and you're like, okay, well, when Jesus went out and healed the sick, he wasn't just praying for him. He was commanding things to go. So I go back to Matthew and I'm like, I command whatever's in your nose to go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But we, uh, I mean, and then, you know, Matthew's still struggling. And then I come back to my Bible, you know, and, it, and I realized that it wasn't just that, but Jesus was doing it out of compassion. And so then I go back to Matthew, and I use all three, you know. But I believe that's the picture God has given us on the renewed mind. We, we not only receive the revelation, but we go out and, and, um, and, and use it, you know, because... I kind of wrote this in quotations, I but it says the renewed mind empowers us to take risk. Um, can we go to Luke chapter 3? That's one book over from where we st- or one chapter over from where we started from earlier. And it's going to be uh, verse 22. I should probably go there too, huh? says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, and in, and in, 
and in you I am well pleased. I believe that the, that's a, the spirit the, the descending upon Jesus. We, we know Jesus to have 100% God in him. So what's the difference between the, the resting of the spirit, the resting of the dove? Um, and I just believe that the, the spirit is, I'm talking about us now, but I believe the spirit is, um, is for us. It gives us authority. But the resting allows that authority to be shown to other people. You get what I'm, does that make sense? So, um, like I said earlier, God can't operate, or the Spirit can't operate in, in places that it's not comfortable with. So we can't go out trying to heal people and, um, with, with anger. You know, we're just, we're just upset. We're creating all this negativity. And how would that represent God, or how would that make God look if he's uh, healing people in a place of negativity? That would make God seem negative and that he's okay with all that. And so I believe the renewed mind is preparing a place for the spirit to rest. And I believe that's what God or Jesus was doing the whole beginning of his life was preparing that place so that there was a, a, uh, a place for, that, for the spirit to rest. And um, So I wrote down here, the resting of the Spirit is a, is a result of you preparing a place. The preparing, you preparing a place is a result of desire. Read that one more time. The resting of the Spirit is a result of you preparing a place. You preparing a place is a result of desire. And... That doesn't give anyone, in, or no one in here has an excuse now because God has given us all, or started us all with a desire for him. It's in every heart of every man to have desire for him. So there's really no excuse to not have a prepared place for the spirit. Um, it's, I guess, those who don't have it, and that's a good percentage of the, the church now. But like I was talking about the talents earlier, a lot of us has just, has just buried the revelation we've gotten. Uh, we've we've made doctrines saying or talking about how healing isn't for our time just because we haven't seen it in our own life. Instead of using uh, what we've learned and what we have now to grow into that thing, um, I'm gonna go to the Old Testament now. Is that cool? Genesis chapter eight, eight through twelve. This is in relation to uh, Luke chapter 3. I love how prophetic the Old Testament is. Old Testament is on like New Testament principles. Like, you can go back and just confirm a word in the Old Testament that you learned in the New Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is much more than that, a whole lot more than that. But um, I just love the pictures it gives us sometimes. But uh, this is... Um, you might catch it as I read it, but it's, it's in relation to the dove I, I talked about in Luke chapter 3. You got it? You're with it? <laughs> it says, um, he also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. 
But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Verse 12, so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return, to, return again to him anymore. Uh, when I was reading it, I immediately got a picture of Noah as God and the dove as the spirit. Um, the first time Noah sent out the dove, it immediately returned to Noah because there was no, there was no place for that dove to rest. There was, uh, the second time, it came back with an olive, fresh, uh, an olive branch, uh, just showing glimpses of life, glimpses of things on the earth, but no place for it to stay completely. And I believe that's where the church is now. We, we get excited over really small things. We get excited over the, the olive branch. And um, we forget that there are whole trees and whole there's a whole earth, but um, but then the third time it says it found a place to rest, and I believe that's a picture of Jesus um, that we saw in Luke chapter three, um, and the picture of what our lives should look like, um, that that resting place, not only having the Spirit in us, but having it on us, affecting others. We you know you, you look at people like Smith Wigglesworth, and a lot of the old saints they they talk about how people were affected just by their presence in the room. They walk into rooms and people would come dropping the tears. They walked in the trains and people would be crying and just giving their lives to Christ before Smith would even say anything. And Smith was one guy, but if we could get everyone in this room in that same kind of posture, we would not only change a city like he did, we would change the world. And that's really where I'm trying to get to in my life, of just not seeing glimpses of God, not being okay and satisfied with just olive branches, you know. Um, Can we go to Ephesians chapter 4? You know, Paul exhorts us twice. He says once to, to not quench the spirit, but the other time he says don't grieve the spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 25. I think there's seven verses here that, that I'm going to read. It says, therefore, putting away lying, Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. But angry, be be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, 
but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I think it was in verse 30 where he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But everything I read before that and after that, I believe was talking about how you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, it says, stay away from wrath, stay away from anger. You know, love your neighbor. I believe that's really hard for me at least. But I believe if we can get to that place of literally creating an atmosphere where, where um, the dove is okay with, with saying, you know, Bill Johnson gives this picture of the dove. He says, um, he says doves are very timid birds. And he says if one was to come and rest on your shoulder, every step you would take would be with the dove in mind. And so that's really the, the mindset, the posture that we have to take with the Holy Spirit is every decision, every thought that we allow to take action in our lives has to be with that dove in our mind. I'm good. I'll come back to that then. I guess we can talk about verse 52 a little bit then. From, uh, I'm sorry, from Luke chapter 2. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And this was after we, it talks about him uh, sitting in the midst of the elders, asking them questions, learning from them. It says he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. Um, I guess we can first go through some definitions. I feel like that's important for this verse. But um, for wisdom... In 1 Corinthians one thirty, it talks about Jesus being wisdom personified. So how does it, how do we say that the, the man who was wisdom was growing in wisdom? So the um, second one was favor, no, I'm sorry, stature. And it says, um, it's defined as intellectual or moral greatness. And it says Jesus grew in stature. And then it says favor, which is, this one was most confusing to me, but it said um, favor is the state of being approved or held in high regard. And it talks about Jesus growing in favor with not only men, but with his own father. I don't, believe it was it was 
the spirit of Jesus growing in favor with God, but it was the renewed Jesus, the renewed mind of his human, or the the submission of his human mind to his, the submission of, or to the the mind of his spirit. I believe that was where he grew in favor with God because, like I said earlier, the spirit or the dove cannot be in a place where it's not comfortable. It can be in a place where um, that doesn't feel like home, you know. And so although God loved his son, although it was his son, he also, Jesus also chose to be human. And he couldn't have the, or he couldn't finish the, the work given to him with a, with a mind um, or, or with the human mind. And so I believe before God can give him any, give him the spirit, um, which was growing in favor, or which was Jesus growing in favor with God, he, um, that his mind had to be renewed. Sorry. Can we go to Proverbs 3? Old Testament again, is that cool? Oh, it's not even in my notes, so I got to turn there too. It's Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. says, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. In verse 52, it talks about how Jesus grew in favor with God and men. In Proverbs 3, it shows us a picture of what that looks like or how do you actually grow in favor with God and men. And it says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. That really, I don't know, reading that, I don't know how you feel reading that, but for me, it doesn't feel easy when it says bind them on, around your neck, you know, write them on the tablets of your heart. It, it's just heavy language to me, so in, in implying that it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not just something passive. It's not a 10-minute devotional in the morning. It's a lifestyle of, of, of learning the Word, you know. Or not just learning the word, but knowing the word, believing the word, and allowing that to be the governing thing in your life. But also in John fourteen twenty six, I want to turn there really quick. You don't have to turn there, but I will. 
guess you're turning there anyway. I hear your Bible's turning. But it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. And so for Proverbs 3, it says, my son, but let your heart keep my commandments. And it says, don't forget my law. Although it's you actively going for it, the Holy Spirit, who you have, will not let you forget it. So although it's, it's you working hard for it, where it says, you know, work out your salvation, it's, it's literally you showing effort. It's not you literally memorizing this whole thing, but it's committing yourself to knowing it, and the Spirit will bring all those things to, you, to your remembrance. I want to read something from uh, Matthew Henry. I think every time I'm struggling with the scripture, I, I go to this guy. I'm like, oh, what did Matthew Henry have to say about it? But um, yeah, he's, uh, he's talking about Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. But he said, we must fix God's law and his commandments as our rule, by which we will in everything be ruled and to which we will yield obedience. We must acquaint ourselves with them, for we cannot be said to forget that which we never knew. Let me read that again. We must acquaint ourselves with them, for we cannot be said to forget that which we never knew. We must remember them so that they may be ready to use whenever we have occasion to use them. Our wills and affections must be subject to them and must in everything conform to them. Not only our heads, but our hearts must keep God's commandments in them, as in the ark of the testimony. Both the, ta both the tables of the law must be deposited. Let thy mercy and truth forsake thee. God's mercy is promising and his truth is performing. Do not forfeit these, but live up to them and preserve thy interest in them. Do not forget these, but live upon them, and take the comfort of them. Bind them around the neck as the most graceful ornament. It is the greatest honor we are capable of in the, in the world to have an interest in the mercy and truth of God. Amen. I know that was a lot, but when I read it, it kind of registered with me, so hopefully it helped you out a little bit. But I think I'm going to do one... Maybe one more scripture. Can we go to Romans 14? Maybe two more scriptures. Or three. Romans 14, uh, 17 through 18. It says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For we who serve Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Read it one more time. The kingdom of God is righteousness 
and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. I wrote down here, uh, you serve Christ in righteousness and peace and joy. And you serve Christ by serving people. All of this is done through the Holy Spirit. So you're literally, it says in, um, it says in righteousness and peace and joy. But then it says in the Holy Spirit. So it's not anything out of our own strength. It's not anything we're doing. But the only way we're acceptable to God and approved by men is through his spirit. I guess I just... I want to kind of really just talk to the younger people my age, the students that are here. I know that um, for me, I'm in love with architecture. I'm in love with design. I'm in love with just everything that I'm doing school-wise and career-wise. But just in these past 10 months, just being in the house of prayer and just committing myself to the things of God. I still love those things, but it's, it's not my life. It's not if I don't have what, I, what I've planned for, I'm, I'm still content because my allegiance is here first. And my, I, I just, I guess just knowing the, what God has put in us, I think if we can really, if our minds are renewed to that and we can really know what we've been given, we would, have, we would all have that understanding of I would give anything for um, what's in here. And I, I don't know, it's just been consuming me lately of just really knowing what, what um, the, some of the things that, that Paul are, is writing when he says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. You know, it's not just glorying when I get to heaven, but he's the hope of glory in me now and for today and for people all over the world. And when you just get that language inside of you and it really starts meaning something to you, the things of God, it just seems so much more bigger than design. And I'm not saying God has not called to do certain things. I believe that I'm, I'm here and I'm still an architecture student, but if I had to lay that down one day, I want to be able to say, yes, God, I would do that. And I believe if we really were to commit ourselves to the renewed mind first, not, not committing ourselves to sacrificing things for God, but just committing ourselves to the renewed mind, the renewed mind will take over. You know, the renewed mind will, will lead us in that way of sacrifice. When you really get to understand, with getting the understanding of what God says about us, the truth that he says about us.
I'm almost done, so Will, you can come up here if you want. Only if you want. Can we go to one more scripture? I think we've been in most of the books today. Um, I'm sorry, I'm turning there. I didn't even tell you. John 8. John chapter 8. There's 31. says, then Jesus said to them, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I guess when we talk about knowing the truth, and knowing that the truth will make us free, I guess my question was, Word to God when I was reading that scripture was make us free from what? You know? And and that could, it could really mean a lot of things. But what he was speaking to me to me for the time was it, it frees us from earthly thinking. When we know the truth and that's our place of thinking, it frees us from the thinking we've been, we've had our whole lives. also began to talk to me about the difference between a believer and a disciple. I believe everyone in here is a believer, or most of us at least, but um, he was just talking about the high call of actual discipleship. The, the, the command he gave to his disciples to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers was just that. It was for the disciples. It wasn't for the believers. It, many times in scripture it talks about the disciples going out and many people believing, but those same believers did not have the same promise as the or the same command as the as the believers did. Believers are going to heaven, disciples are going to heaven, but disciples are bringing heaven to earth. I don't know. I just want to pray for us all really quick. this past 10 months in this place of prayer, in this place of just giving God my all, and I just want the same for all of us. I have not arrived by any means, but that's where I'm going. I haven't arrived, but I'm going to get there. And so I just, I really want God, or want us to want God fully, and not just a percentage of our life, of our life. we really were awakened, if we were really renewed to the things of God, understanding everything that he says here in Ephesians and everything he says in this whole Bible, we, we wouldn't want anything else if we knew it to be true in, in us. And so, God, I just thank you for your truth. I thank you that 
you have given us your spirit, that you have given us all possibility and all authority. And God, I just pray for an awakening. God, I just pray that you would make us alive to the truth of your scriptures, God. Lord, I just pray that we would find ourselves pressing on and and learning the scriptures for ourselves, oh God, that we would not go with a laxed approach. We would not go with a very passive approach to, to knowing the things of you, O oh God, but we would give ourselves wholly to the things of God. Lord God, we just say that we want to heal the sick. We want to cast out demons. We want to raise lepers. We want to walk in love, God. We want to be world changers, God. We want the spirit of Smith Wigglesworth. We want the spirit of John G. Lake. We want the spirit Charles Finney, God, all the old saints that found the truth, that were awakened and renewed to the truth of God, Lord, Lord, I just pray that we would commit our lives to walking the same way, oh God. Lord, I just pray that you would just move in hearts right now. Lord, do not let your word fall on death ears today, oh God. Let this be a reminder daily, oh God. stand in agreement with, with you guys with prayer. It's not just me, if you think I'm too young. Daryl's here as well. <laughs> but, but, um, amen. Yeah, if you need any prayer over the subjects that we John touched upon today, we welcome you to come up and get some prayer. Scripture verse that went off in my heart as John was uh, speaking to us out of Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, 